Hi, I'm Justin Kaufman, and this is Reset. Well, there's a lot of sports news happening around Chicago today. In just a bit, we'll talk with Ashton Washington, the first woman to be part of the football staff at the University of Illinois. But first, it's opening day for Major League Baseball, and it's the first time ever that opening day isn't threatened by a snowstorm. (laughs) But sunny skies aren't the only thing different about today's games. First thing you'll notice, no crowds. And, of course, the constant threat of COVID-19. With us to talk about it all is Cheryl Ray Stout, WBEZ sports contributor. So you have seen these games in person. Yep. What is it like to be in the stadium when there's no crowd whatsoever? It is so eerie, Justin. The stadiums feel like they're darker, too, because you don't have the people in the stands. Mm -hmm. You don't have that extra lighting. Um, There's some noise that they pipe in. You could hear the chatter from the dugouts. You could hear the crack of the bat. You could hear the ball in the mitt. It's 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 very odd. The, the, the Cubs, they've been using their regular PA announcer and their regular organist. The White Sox have used recorded music and recorded or, organist and the staff members doing the PA. But it's, it's a very odd feeling. Mm. And the national anthems have been recorded. They have the seventh inning stretches recorded. But the Cubs just gave us the information just now that they will have somebody live doing the national anthem and they will have health care workers, Mayor Lightfoot, Governor Pritzker, and Ryan Samberg throwing out first oh, pitches. Wow, so there will great. be some live action. That's the only thing. Otherwise, it's very, very weird. <laughs> well, I would I would just assume, just thinking about that. Have you asked the players about it? Are the players, did they talk about the fact they're playing in front of no crowd? You know, what's hard for some of them is that they don't have their, even their families there. You know, that's hard. They, their whole lives, they've always been able to have their families, especially opening day. And you got the White Sox have, you know, cardboard cutouts in the yeah. stands. The, the, trying to get the energy is going to be interesting because energy is usually given to the players through the fans. And that's what's going to be missing. Yeah. Well, let's talk about the Cubs and the White Sox. They open up tomorrow. You know, one of the weird things about baseball right now is that many of the players are showing up on injury lists without, uh, mm-hmm. you know, without an actual specified injury. And that's because of the way that they're classifying COVID. But when you just look at each team's roster, there mm-hmm. seems to be, uh, you know, players left and right that are recovering or in the midst of trying to get a, a, a negative test, if you will, because they've tested positive at one point. But there are a lot of MLB players that won't be on the field for opening day. Yeah, and that's going to probably be the case all the way along, especially when they start traveling. Uh, with the White Sox, we knew they had two players that tested positive, and one of them was Johan Mankata. Unless the player allows the team to reveal their names, that illness cannot be given to us. So it wasn't until Johan Mankata came back did he personally tell us that he had it. Mm. So we can speculate, but until they specifically tell us, we can't report it. So that's that's a that's a problem that you know is going to be going on. I think through. The, the 60-game season. When you see all the teams that have, uh, you know, players on what they're calling the COVID list, right? the Cubs escaped. They're, and I'm not sure what the update is, but they have been one of the teams that has right. been the healthiest when it comes to COVID-19. Well, you know, they, I, I believe when they knew their pitching coach, Tommy Hadovy, had it, that scared the bejesus out of these players. So they knew how serious it was. When you see it, I think that happens to a lot of people. When you see it and hear it and you know somebody, then all of a sudden you realize, boy, this is real. This can happen to me because he was a he- he's a healthy guy. He- he's now with the team. He's fine. And the same thing with Joan Mankata. I think that all the players now realize this is something that they have to yeah. deal with, and they better be careful. Now, 
the, that said, the players, they, they're, they're taking a lot of precautions. When we go into the, the stadium, I know they're doing it even more so with the players. The thing is, is once they get on those buses, once they get on those planes, once they go into hotel rooms, once they go into restaurants, what's going to happen when they're out of Chicago? Yeah, and, and Cheryl, the other thing, too, is we make a transition to actually talking about baseball, which is just lovely. To actually talk about baseball as opposed to playing baseball, but the but the, there's going to be a change to the rosters too. Um, the, you know they're right. going to flux and and that's going to have an effect on on players that are going to stay with the team or have to go back to what quote unquote the minors. But this is different than a, than a normal season, right? What what the teams are doing? They they could have sixty players, and today they had to announce their rosters. We haven't got the White Sox. We did get the Cubs. But what they have is they have 30 players that could be with them opening day for two weeks. Then after that, it will be 28 players. When they're on the road, they have a three-player taxi squad that could be with them. The other players are put into their their taxi squad um, facilities. The Cubs will be South Bend. The White Sox will be at in Schaumburg at the Boomer Stadium. So those players will be continually be ready to go in case there's an injury. In case there's a COVID in- incident, so there will be players that they can replace. And right, because there's no of, minors, right? That's that's what's the no minors. Yeah. There's none. And the thing is, is with those players, a lot of them are pitchers, because this is going to be interesting to see how pitchers are going to fare in this type of season. Let's talk with the South Side. There's been a lot about the rebuilding mm-hmm. of this team, but whoa, did they put on a display against the Cubs over the weekend? And I think every White Sox fan and maybe even some Cubs fans were, were talking about drinking the Kool-Aid when it comes to what we can expect from the Chicago White Sox in this truncated season. I think the fact that the Cubs' former prospect, White Sox possible star, Eloy Menes, hit the Grand Slam, <laughs> that's a lot. But they have Louisa Robert is considered a Rookie of the Year candidate in center field. You're going to love the way he plays. He's got a lot of power. He really covers center field well. They have a lot of young players. You've got Tim Anderson. It keeps getting better and better. Johan Mancada, he has uh, MVP potential. You have the veteran, you know, Jose uh, Abreu. But I think that when they added the different free agents, when they added Dallas Keiko and the big one who was Yasmani Grandal, when they added him, an all-star catcher, yeah, right. to go with an all-star catcher, James McCann, you set yourself up real well. And, and Lucas Giolito, really, you know, he's coming to his own. So there's a lot of good things. They can put it together, or you know what? They could struggle. We don't know, but they're, they they they're definitely young. are out yeah. of the rebuild. They're into the next step. It, real quick, Nick Madrigal, is he going to make the team? I don't know. You know what? That could be the cost. You know, it's service time issue with him, yeah. and that's that's the problem. They could put him down for a couple of days into the taxi squad and bring him up, and then they get another year out of him. Yeah. I don't want to talk about that as a fan. That that annoys me the way they do that because we would like to see the the first rounder, the former first rounder, uh, playing baseball for the White Sox. On the on the north side, the team looks very similar. A, a new manager, yes. of course, in Rossi. But uh, but what are the issues with the with the Cubs? Because I I couldn't even tell you besides Kimbrel, who's closing. What's going on with that bullpen? It's a totally revamped bullpen, really. When you look at it, so you know. The, the, here's the thing, though. When they lost Jose Quintana to that thumb injury, that put their starting, you know, the starting rotation into a, a tizzy. Kyle Hendricks will open tomorrow. Then they have Hugh Darvish. Then they have Tyler Chatwood would be third, mm. and the fourth guy will be John Lester. And so that's wow. kind of interesting that he's he's in that spot, and Alec Mills will be your your fifth starter. It's going to be interesting to see how David Ross has to 
maneuver this because remember, Justin, they've changed the rules. Each pitcher has to face three minimum batters. So you can't go for a righty lefty, you know, type what, of situation. What a weird, what a weird to... time right now to make that that change, of course, because you're going to need mu- as much flexibility as possible, especially when it comes to COVID and things like that. But the good thing is, with a DH, it allows the the managers not to have to worry about you know putting in a, a player for a pitcher for batting. So that kind of helps that situation somewhat. Yeah. But the crazy rule, which I think is bizarre, is if it goes in extra innings, the tenth inning. <laughs> The team is at bat has a runner at second base to start the inning. Yeah, I, I, there's going to be so many changes. I, it's overwhelming <laughs> in a way because that would have been awesome in April in a normal year, but this is not a normal year. And my my final wrap question for the Cubs: They still have Chris Bryant, Anthony Rizzo, yes. Wilson Contreras, Javi yes. Baez, and yes. they have a a core uh, that have won a World Series. And it's really I I find it hard to sleep on the Cubs. Yeah, and, and I think the fact at second base you've got a veteran, Jason Kipnis, but you also got they, – they did keep Nico Horner up at second base, and I think he's going to be something special. Wilson Contreras, you know, he's been hitting the ball really well in the summer camp. Uh, as long as he can catch to the potential he could. But Victor Carantini may be one of that – one of those players you look at going, you know, because he could catch, but he also could go on at first base and he could DH. The DH is going to help the Cubs, Kyle Schwarber. They're going to have a rotating players. You know, what Joe Madden did with this team the last few years is the players that he had, a lot of these are all-star players, they didn't play just one position most of the time. And so they have the capability to be moved around. And that's a good thing for this team right now. Yeah. And for David Ross, David Ross is familiar with these players. He knows what they can do. And you have veteran leadership. Anthony Rizzo coming back, you know, when he came back the other night for the first time he had an at-bat and hit a home run his first at-bat, you knew that that meant a lot to this team because he's not just a leader on the field. He's a leader in the clubhouse. He's very much respected, and that helps a team, especially in a short season. It's going to yeah. be interesting to see how this all works out. Well, Cheryl, you heard it here first. A Crosstown World Series is, <laughs> is coming to Chicago, right? <laughs> we'll see, right? Uh, much I think more... I'll have a heart attack yeah. if that happens. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, much more sports that are happening, and we can't get to it today, but we'll talk about the Sky and the Blackhawks and, and some other sports getting back online. Uh, next week, WBEZ sports contributor Cheryl Ray Stout on opening day for Major League Baseball. Cheryl, thanks for joining us. You're welcome. Other sports continue to wrestle with the pandemic. There might not be a college football season. The start date has been pushed back. And mostly Division I schools have committed to playing in-conference only, limiting travel. Beyond COVID, though, there's continuing tension between the schools and the athletes when it comes to racial equality. Diversity and inclusion are issues that many coaching staffs are confronting. But at the University of Illinois, that's not an issue. Coach Lovey Smith is celebrated for having one of the most diverse staffs in the country. And that includes his latest hire, Ashton Washington. Ashton becomes the first black woman to be part of the football program in the U of I's 130-year history. Washington is the director of high school relations for Illinois football, and she joins us now. Ashton Welcome to Reset. Hello, hello. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for joining us, and congratulations on the role. Tell us more about it. You're director of high school relations. Yes, so it's pretty much what it says, says there in the title. Uh, the key part of my job are high school coaches across the state and outside of the state. So the high school coaches are what keeps me going. Yeah, so I would assume that has a lot to do with recruiting and, and having conversations about trying to get some of those athletes to come to, come to campus in Champaign-Urbana. 
Yes, look, getting to campus, one of the most beautiful campus in the nation. <laughs> I, I, look, I, I got to bring them in. <laughs> well, what was your initial reaction to being brought in? Tell us the, the, how this all came about, about you being hired uh, to be part of Coach Lovey Smith's staff. I'd say it all goes back to Coach Price, Coach Joe Price. Uh, he's men- a mentor for me. He's not UTSA, but he was actually in this position before me. And it was just, you know, building that relationship with him. And then somehow you, that relationship turned into a job opportunity. And it was necessarily like, hey, Coach Price, I need a job. I need help. It was just like, Coach Price, I just want to learn from you. And this is when he was down in Texas coaching high school football. And then from there, you know, got in contact with Director of Recruiting, which is still with us, Patrick Embleton. And then from there, like it goes down a little list. From there, <laughs> one-on-one Zoom call with the legendary Coach Lovey Smith. And I look, I guess I did a good impression on him because here we are now. What an amazing story for you! I, I, just to be involved with football and in Texas at the high school level—that's a—that's got to be a dream come true for anyone who who loves football and is involved with it. But for you, where does the passion come from when it comes to this sport? Oh, I got to always say within, but most importantly, just family. Um, Only girl, so I don't have any aunts. I have no close, I guess you say, girl cousins. All my cousins are pretty much all guys. They're either older than me and younger. And then my brother. Um, It's Look, it's a little Big Ten rivalry in the house. I just dropped him off at Penn State two weeks ago. So we got that going on. But like I said, within (laughs) and then family. Did you know that coming in? Was that something that was on your mind when you got the opportunity to interview with uh, Coach Smith and to understand uh, how you'd be breaking barriers at at Champaign-Urbana? Not at all. Coach Smith, he never told me that I would be making history, never said it on the Zoom call. He just told me about the job, the job description, and what does it take to get Ashton Washington to the University of Illinois. And it went from there. So when that came out, I, the night that it was public to everyone, when uh, our university dropped the news, I was like, wait, whoa, okay. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Because <laughs> me going in, I'm like, I knew I wanted to be in college football. I got the job. You know what I mean? Like, I never thought about making history. And I just want to get to the job, do the best I can do, and bust my butt for everyone around me. Yeah, you know, for you to to be a woman in the sport uh, and and at the uh, at the and on staff, I would assume that you're always breaking barriers. There's not a lot of women that are part of football programs uh, throughout uh, the country. So the idea of of starting a new job, you're always going to be confronted with that. Mm-hmm. I agree with you. And look, I'm I'm hoping in the near future, you know, it it's not. I guess, abnormal when um, a woman is hired, right, in a football position or anything like that. I just want people to be like, oh, she was hired. Okay. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Just just keep it in the norm. Well, it sounds like that was the process, and that was the, that was what happened with you with Coach Lovey Smith. I, I'm interested because the article came out uh, in the Tribune just a couple weeks ago about, you know, as many universities around this country face – the fact that they are not diverse, that when it comes to equity and inclusion, football staffs across the board don't reflect the student body, the athletes, and, and, and they're primarily white. When you see the, that Coach Lovey Smith is, is the outlier, I mean, Coach Lovey Smith, that one of the most diverse staffs in all of college football, what does that mean to you as somebody who's joining this staff? That means a lot to me. The beautiful melting pot, that's what I call it. And I, I think Coach Smith, he started something, again, like no other team or university has done so far. 
he's starting something new and making that the new normal, making it diverse. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I think with us and just being in a time that we are in now, far as, you know, talking more about race and being open about it. I think this is a great staff to be a part of because with him, it's kind of like he sat us down on a, I, in a zoom call, but we were open to, you know, say what was on our mind, how we felt and no one was judging anyone in that moment. And I think, again, it goes back to that beautiful melting pot. We're all coming in from different backgrounds, all different races, all mm -hmm. shades of colors. And that's just what makes it even greater. And especially when it's, you know, coming to the coaching form of it, you're coaching players that are coming from all over, all across the nation and all from different backgrounds. You know what I mean? So mm -hmm. I think, again, it's just playing a part into the new normal, making it happen. You know, you, a lot of coaches, they talk about it, but they don't make it happen or they're not about it. Right. It's all about actions and results in college football. Now, I would imagine at the high school level in the state of Illinois, but also just around the country and your experiences in Texas, it was similar. Uh, a lot, it was probably a lot of dudes and I would assume uh, a lot of white guys, right? But the, <laughs> when, when it comes to coaching in, in Illinois and you have to find a way to relate to these coaches and to, to make sure that the University of Illinois and the, and the coaches in, in the state of Illinois are on the same page or at least, uh, you know, you can have good relationships with them. What do you have to do? What do you have to do to, to reach across and, and develop a relationship with some of these coaches? Well, one, you know, with, for me, it was coming from Texas, um, you know, known in the state across, you know, across the, from here to there, uh, known in different states across the nation, but not really much so in the state of Illinois. So with me, it's like a whole new brand revamp. It's like I got to, of course, you know what I mean, start from the bottom and meet people or meet these coaches and build up good relationships with them and show that I'm authentic, I'm here, I'm excited for Illinois football, and if you're not excited about it, I hope you get the contagious energy for me to be excited about it. And so it's a little tricky or a little difficult because of the pandemic, right? So we're on Zoom calls, as in our like our coaches meetings, things like that. But I think it's not the same because you're not, you know, actually shaking hands with the guy across the table, i.e., the high school coach. Yeah, and you can't make recruit. You can't. You can't make visits. You can't go talk to people. I mean, that that's got to change the way that uh, relations with uh, high schools, both at the recruitment level and just the relationships with the coaches, works. Mm -hmm. But look, I'll say the positive out of it. So the positive would be it shows you what we're capable of doing with technology. You know what I mean? So it kind of shows what we can do. And then we work with the negatives and the, uh, I guess, the cons, and we try to make it as best as we can. For you, and we're talking with Ashton Washington. She's the first ever woman to be hired by the Illinois football program after 130 years of existence and is giving some insight on what it's like to be a part of Lovey Smith's staff, but also to be a trailblazer within the program. What's the goal? Are you are do you have aspirations, larger aspirations to to continue in a career in football, to to continue to be a uh, you know rise the ranks and and at some point uh, you know be in charge of recruiting or or even further uh, be coaching on the field? Look, I think I'm gonna make a lot of people mad when I say this. <laughs> But I haven't even thought, like, past this job of man right at all. I haven't thought past Illinois football. So if I can be at Illinois football for a while, I think that would be great. So I hope everybody is ready to welcome me with open arms. <laughs> That's a good answer. And, and look, and keep me close-knit into the family. Um, but, yeah, I haven't thought past it. 
I think one because I haven't even made it up there yet. I'm still in Texas right now as we speak. Are you really? Yeah, I'd like so once once I make my feet, you know, get my feet in the Illinois soil and get from, you know, start moving from there. But no, honestly, I haven't thought past it. Well, I don't want to give away your age, but you're 23 years old. Uh oh. Uh oh. But but are you comfortable with the spotlight? You know, with the fact that articles are being written about you're on the radio, you're talking about different things about your life, about being uh, a part of the Illinois program. But it's always it's a lot of of a spotlight because you are a trailblazer. Yes, sir. I agree with you. And I think, you know, what plays a factor in this is not necessarily age. It goes back to what I said earlier. It's all about results. What can you bring to the table? How can you help the University of Illinois football program? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. What can you do to help the coaches around you and the staff members around you, player personnel, and on and on? So I think that's my main goal right now is bringing results to the table and then, of course, revamping that brand and spreading the brand of myself and then the legacy already at hand, the University of Illinois. Like I said earlier, it's nothing greater. That's good to hear. And as, as an Illini fan, I like, I like that you just talk that way. But do you have any advice to pass along to, to young women or people of color that might be interested in pursuing a career in sports like you are, the fact of, of joining coaching staffs and, and starting to, to build a career at a young age? One would be find your passion, find what you love. And when you're trying to find a passion, and I guess once you do find it, figure out if you can do that without getting paid. And if you can do that without getting paid, you found your passion. But if you're like, I don't think I can do that without getting paid, I don't think that might be your passion. Keep trying. Um, Number two is going to be continue or build your in-person LinkedIn. I know a lot of us are on LinkedIn and we're connecting on social media. But like I said earlier, again, with the Zoom calls and things like that, it's a little different when you start seeing people face to face. So, you know, continue to build that in-person LinkedIn um, work at this time of the pandemic because most people are on their laptops. So start reaching out, start sending emails, start trying to figure out how to set up those 10 minute phone calls because all you need is 10 minutes. Yeah, right. The last question for you is just, you know, we're not sure if there's going to be a a college football season. Uh, Obviously, everything's being done uh, virtually. There's a big story today just about what a what a difficult time it is for for the Illini because there's a lot of high hopes for for the program this year. Right now all I can say is they are working they their butts off 6 feet apart of course. Um <laughs> sanitation uh, sanitation to a T. Uh we're all getting tested almost every other not every other week but every week like it it's up there. We're like, you know, making it known that you need to wear a mask. You need to be Corona free, Corona safe. And if you're around somebody that's not taking the COVID-19 seriously, you need to get away from them. Yeah, there you go. Ashton Washington, the new director of high school relations for, uh, within the Illinois football program, the first uh, ever black woman to work there in the 130-year history of the program. Ashton, a pleasure to meet you. Thanks for joining us, and good luck this season. Thank you so much. And I look, I love how you said you're already a fan. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> Keep it going. And that's today's Reset. For more great conversations with the people working to make Chicago a better place, go to wbez.org slash reset. I'm Justin Kaufman. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you right here tomorrow.